Hi all, you're listening to At The Beam, a medical education podcast where we discuss high-yield oncology with a focus in radiation oncology. We are Trudy and Josh, and thank you for listening. Hi everyone, welcome back to At The Beam. Today we're going to be talking about early stage breast cancer, which is one of my favorite disease sites, and I'm back here with Josh. Hi, Trudy. So uh, before we begin today, I just wanted to share a joke with you that my son told me. We said that there's this man and he's sitting at um, his deceased wife's funeral and his friend leans into him. He says, hey, do you mind if I say a word? And no, go right ahead, the man replied. And his friend stands, he clears his throat and he says, plethora and sits back down. (laughs) Thanks, the husband says. That means a lot. (laughs) <laughs> wait your son came up with that he read it somewhere wow but you know what also means a lot of the support <laughs> that we received from our listeners so today's episode <laughs> will be focused on early stage breast cancer so trudy i'm gonna ask you a few questions if that's okay yeah let's do it okay trudy so we have a 72 year old woman who goes to her primary care physician for an annual exam after finding her friend was diagnosed with breast cancer So in regards to her history, she's delivered one child at age 36. She had menarche at age 11, menopause at 50, and has no history of OCP or hormone uh, replacement therapy use. Her last mammogram she had was about two years ago, and at that time was noted as normal. Um, Should she be undergoing screening mammogram? And if so, how often? And please let me know what the current screening guidelines are. Yeah, so she should be getting a screening mammogram every one to two years. Screening guidelines will vary depending on the organization. So the USPSTF recommends a screening mammogram performed every other year for women 50 to 74 years old. For those who are 40 to 49, the decision for screening should be individualized with a higher value place for those at higher risk, including those with a parent, sibling, or child with breast cancer. The American Cancer Society recommends yearly screening from ages 45 to 54, and then every one to two years until life expectancy is less than 10 years. That's great. Yeah, so she undergoes a screening mammogram, and it shows a 1.5 cm focal asymmetry in the upper outer left breast. So the radiologist labels this as a BIRAD zero. Do you mind please describing the BIRAD scoring system? BIRADS is an acronym for the Breast Imaging Reporting and Data System Score. It's a scoring system radiologists use to describe mammogram results on a 7-point scale ranging from 0 to 6. A BIRADS 0 represents an incomplete test requiring additional imaging. BIRADS 1 through 3 represent negative, benign, and probably benign findings. However, a BIRADS 3 will likely buy you short interval follow-up imaging in around 6 months. BIRADS 4 is the start of our suspicious findings that will likely warrant further workup. BIRADS 5 indicates a very high suspicion for malignancy. And then finally, BIRADS 6 are for those lesions that we already know are cancer and are biopsy proven. That's great. Um, So for our patient, what's uh, next for her? We should obtain a diagnostic mammogram and ultrasound along with a biopsy. Is there a specific type of biopsy that you'd recommend? Yeah, so we want a core needle biopsy uh, performed with image guidance. FNAs or excisional biopsies are not ideal. Okay, good. So a quick word on the different biopsy techniques. Uh, These include image guidance with a mammography, known as stereotactic biopsy, um, ultrasound, or MRI. 
The chosen technique often depends on what type of imaging the lesion is best visualized on. So this patient gets a coronatal biopsy and it shows invasive ductal carcinoma. It's ER, PR positive and HER2 negative, grade two. Uh, what else do you wanna know? For workup, I do a complete history and physical paying specific attention to any palpable nodes, nipple discharge and skin discoloration with a full bilateral breast exam. If the patient's premenopausal, I would also get a pregnancy test. And um, in anticipation of upcoming treatment, should she be premenopausal and amenable to it, I would have her speak with fertility specialists for future family planning. And then um, a breast MRI or whole body staging without symptoms would not be indicated. So we have what we need for now. Great. So she has no palpable lesions or any other significant physical exam findings. There's a one and a half cm lesion of the left upper outer breast that's biopsy proven for IDC. Um, what is her stage and can you please review the TNM staging for us? Sure. So she is no negative by clinical exam and would be considered a T1C N0 M0 stage 1A breast cancer. T staging is designated by size and involvement. So T1 is any tumor that's less than or equal to 2 centimeters. T2 is greater than 2 centimeters, but less than or equal to 5 centimeters. T3 is any tumor greater than 5 centimeters. And then a T4 tumor involves direct extension of the chest wall and or skin. Clinical end staging includes N0, where there's no evidence of nodal involvement by imaging or exam, N1, where there is a mobile ipsilateral level 1 or 2 axillary lymph node, N2A is where there is fixed ipsilateral level 1 or 2 axillary lymph nodes, or N2B, where there is an isolated ipsilateral internal mammary node. N3A includes involvement of a level 3 axillary lymph node. N3B includes ipsilateral IMN nodes and level 1 and 2 lymph nodes. And then finally, N3C includes METs to an ipsilateral supraclavicular lymph node. Yeah, that's great. And uh, what are her treatment options? So broadly, surgery will be the mainstay of treatment, including breast conservation therapy as well as mastectomy. Breast conservation therapy will include a lumpectomy and a sentinel lymph node biopsy, plus or minus adjuvant radiation, depending on the patient's age and features on surgical pathology. A mastectomy would be considered if she exhibited um, multicentric disease, if she required multiple um, repeat margin excisions after a lumpectomy, or if she had uh, contraindications to radiation or if this is what the patient's preferred approach is. Given her age, which is 72, and as per choosing wisely, a routine sentinel lymph node biopsy is not indicated for those over the age of 70 who are clinically node negative. That's fantastic. So she opts for a lumpectomy and does want to get a sentinel lymph node biopsy. Uh, pathology showed a grade one IDC, it's 1.7 cm in size. There's negative margins. Um, there was also ERPR positive, HER2 negative. KI67 is less than 5%, and there's no LVSI or any associated DCIS. The sentinel lymph node biopsy showed that both lymph nodes that they had excised were negative. Uh, can you tell me her stage now and the molecular subtype? Sure. So she is now a PT1C, PN0, M0, uh, stage 1A. She would be classified as a luminal A, as this is estrogen receptor positive and progesterone receptor positive, her, and HER2 negative with a low KI67. And what are her adjuvant treatment options? So she has several options, including adjuvant whole breast radiation, adjuvant accelerated partial breast radiation, and hormone therapy alone. Great.
So uh, she opts for adjuvant whole breast RT. Um, what dose and fractionation would you choose? For this patient, I would choose for a three-week regimen, 40 gray and 15 fractions. I would not offer a boost in her case as she is greater than 60 years old, has low-grade disease, and had negative surgical emergence. Great. And how would you simulate her? There are several options, but I would opt for a head-first supine setup on a breastboard with her left arm raised. If a breastboard is unavailable, a wingboard or a vaclock would be a great alternative for fixation. Um, at the time of sim, I would wire her scar and mark breast borders, and given this is a left-sided treatment, I would employ DIBH, which stands for Deep Inspiratory Breath Hold for heart avoidance. Um, alternatively, a prone setup can be considered as well. That's fantastic. Um, you mentioned marking off breast borders. How would you mark off these borders? I would place the superior border at the level of the inferior clavicle head, the medial border at the patient's midline, lateral border at the mid-axillary line, and inferior border I would mark about one to two centimeters below the inframammary fold. Uh, can you describe how your fields would be arranged and what you would contour? We should um, let listeners know that we just had to edit this episode because Josh's <laughs> cuckoo clock from Sylvain went off during the first recording. Just it's an FYI. It's an important part of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so... I would make sure relevant OARs were contours, such as the heart, lungs, and contralateral breasts, but not contour the breast CTV itself. Using these same borders that have been marked off, I would create opposing tangential fields and ensure the glandular breast tissue is well covered. This can be performed by setting the isocenter along the posterior border of the field to create a half-beam block effect. If there are clearance or setup issues, the isocenter can be placed more anteriorly as well with the beam angles adjusted so the posterior field edges align on a straight edge. I would make sure we have at least a two to three centimeter flash anteriorly. I would then see how much lung and heart are involved in the field and adjust as fit to reduce dose without too much compromise to coverage. Yeah, that sounds great. So say you're looking at your field setup and you see a large portion of the heart is in your fields. Uh, what are some techniques that you would consider to help alleviate this? So we can adjust the field angles as mentioned prior um, DIBH would also help reduce heart involvement as well, and if necessary, MLCs can be drawn into place to block the heart without major adjustments to the posterior field edge. Additionally, a prone approach can be considered as well, which can use gravity to pull the targeted breast tissue forwards. Yeah, that's fantastic. And uh, how would you counsel her regarding treatment? I will let her know of potential acute and long-term toxicities associated with treatment. Um, in the acute setting, I would discuss fatigue and skin changes. Long-term, I would monitor for radiation pneumonitis, an increased risk of rib fracture, cardiotoxicity, changes in breast cosmesis, and a low risk for secondary malignancies. All right. So she goes through treatment without any issue. Um, how would you then follow her? I would see this patient one to four times a year uh, for history and physical for up to five years and then annually with a clinical exam. I would also obtain a mammogram at six months initially after completing treatment, treatment then yearly. All right. And, and Trudy, in what patients would you recommend a sequential boost being performed? So sequential boosts are typically indicated in patients at greater risk for local recurrence. So generally speaking, a boost should be included in younger patients less than or equal to 50 um, with grade three disease and or positive merchants. Other cases really require individual patient decision-making using additional data such as tumor biology, tumor size, and the merchant status. All right, so let's say 
your patient has a positive margin after a surgery and is very adverse to the idea of uh, radiation therapy, what would your recommendations then be? So um, in any patient with a positive margin, the patient should get a re-excision to clear the margin. And then after negative margins were obtained, uh, she would be an appropriate candidate for admission given early stage hormone receptor positive breast cancer and her um, older age of 72. Okay, great. So let's talk a little bit about partial breast irradiation. So patients can fall into one of three categories when thinking about their candidacy for PBI, suitable, cautionary, and unsuitable. So suitable patients are 50 or older, uh, negative margins by at least two millimeters, and an invasive T1 tumor, which is less than two cm in size. It's okay to also get PBI for DCIS if it's screen detected, a low to intermediate grade, spans less than two and a half cm, and have negative margins by at least three millimeters. So let's say that you have a patient who's suitable for partial breast irradiation. In what circumstances would you advocate for partial breast irradiation? If the patient had large breasts, whole breast irradiation would be dosimetrically challenging, or if the patient preferred a shorter radiation fractionation. Generally speaking, partial breast irradiation requires less days on treatment, although now with ultra-hypofractionation per fast-forward, this isn't necessarily true. So the patient asks you if she needs to do anything before completing radiation therapy. Uh, what do you tell her? I would have her touch base with medical oncology to discuss the risks and benefits of starting adjuvant endocrine therapy. Some common side effects of endocrine therapy include hot flashes, vaginal discharge, and a small increased risk of thromboembolic events with partial estrogen agonists, such as tamoxifen. And then myalgias, arthralgias, and osteoporosis um, can be experienced with aromatase inhibitors, such as anastrozole or letrozole. I would then have her follow up with me every three to six months for the first few years with bilateral mammograms annually. Fantastic. Thank you, Trudy. That, that was great. Uh, so this concludes our episode on early stage breast cancer. Uh, we wanted to thank Dr. Michael Zhang of UCLA for his guidance on today's script. You can find the show notes for today's episode at www.atthebeam.com. And we wanted to thank you for listening to today's episode of At The Beam. And remember to always trust but verify.